You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we are into week three of our sermon series on Sabbath, and uh, this week we're going to talk about delight. And last week, we talked about the question. I know uh, actually a number of you uh, wrestled together over this conversation, and we, we saw this conversation come up in care groups, but do we have to keep Sabbath? I mean, we're, we're not Jewish, and that's actually one of the stated goals of this series is not to become Jewish. Uh, I think some of the things that they do is worth taking note of and, and going, wow, what does that mean for me? But we're not Jewish. We're not under the law. Um, but we also know that Sabbath was, was created 2,400 years prior to Moses bringing the law down the mountain at Mount Sinai. So according to the Jewish calendar, that event took place 2,400 years after creation. And yet we see Sabbath for the first time in Genesis 2. And then last week we looked at this concept, this idea that Paul presents in Galatians chapter 3. He says, therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And that word tutor is a unique word. It's a very specific word in the in Roman culture. It's a pedagogos, it's a slave who had charge of the life and morals of the boys of a family. And so in that Roman culture, a father would tell a slave, these are the lessons I want you to train my my sons on. And while that pedagogos was training up that son, that son was under their authority even though the pedagogos themselves was a slave but they're teaching lessons that the father intended the son to learn. So the lessons that we have learned through the law, they came from our father too, right? Can we agree with that? That those lessons are for our our betterment. And so when the son is old enough, and in this case, the Paul, Paul says, when you come to faith, when you recognize your need for Christ, well, those lessons that were learned are still valuable. They're still for our good. In fact, we know that uh, Sabbath is mentioned in the Ten Commandments, and we know that the other commandments, I hope we know that the other commandments are for our good, that those lessons learned through the law help us to know how to live what kind of things does our Father value, our Father in heaven? And so, are we under the law? No. Is Sabbath a requirement? I hope you don't look at it that way. I hope you see Sabbath as an invitation. But we also said we're not going to have people walking around as Sabbath police, kind of inspecting people's Sabbaths and making sure that, you know, we... We're all doing this the right way because we're not Jewish. 
And much of the conversation about Sabbath is very Jewish. And so there's things that we could glean. There's things we could learn from. And um, they're like, they're like a, a big brother, an older brother maybe, that have been around this family conversation longer than we have. And so from that standpoint, we could go, oh, I like what you do there. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how I apply that to myself. So that's, um, that's our goal with this series, is to see this invitation and, and, and consider, what does this mean for my family? We said last week that um, you need rest in God. We need rest, period. Even during COVID, like we were locked down, we weren't going any place, and we said, man, as a people, we need a rest. It was not a restful time. And for me, I looked at my own Sabbath and said, uh, <laughs> my Sabbath isn't restful apparently because I didn't find rest during this, this season. And so it really caused me to look deeper at my, my own Sabbath practices and what am I not understanding because God created this rhythm that we should follow that's rest, work, rest, work, rest, work work. That's what we see in the scriptures. That was, that's what we see in Genesis 1 and 2, and that's the imitation that God invites us into. And yet what I grew up with is work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. <laughs> uh, and Christy and I are going on vacation this week, and I'm excited for that season. I I still think vacation is part of, you know, God's plan for us. But how, how do we learn how to rest? And our best rest is actually found in God. When we invite God into our rest, when we're mindful of God during our rest, because he's our shepherd and I shall not want. And he leads us to restful waters. So that was last, week, last week's conversation. This week we're looking at delight, and I said we would have many voices in this conversation because I've been wrestling with this for a couple years. Marty has been wrestling with this, I don't know, five, ten years. And Logan's been wrestling with this some. Uh, Jennifer's been wrestling with this too, and I want to invite her into the conversation. That's why... She's sitting up here, just sitting. Just sitting. <laughs> Jennifer, tell us about your journey towards Sabbath. Okay. Uh, well, I have been practicing Sabbath for about a year and a half. Um, and when I say practice, I mean sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's, it's like practicing football. Some days the practice are really awesome. Um, but I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, so I had an understanding and like a reverence that Sabbath was holy, and that it is a day of rest, and that it's important to rest. Um, but I didn't translate that as an adult to take it with me um, until about a year and a half ago. And so, and then when I became adult and got into college, I started going to church on Sundays, um, which for some of my extended family, that caused confusion and frustration because we're a family that goes to church on Saturdays. And so um, I had to really grapple with what is Sabbath 
and why do we do it and why do I do it? And so I had to make it my own and make my faith my own, which I think all of us go through that journey. So oh, yeah. this is one part of that journey for me was learning to delight in Sabbath. So, hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm watching my my children go through that process. I mean, they're, I call them children, but they're adults, uh, all four of them. And it just a, for them to wrestle with, well, what, what do I live out as far as what, what's been handed to me? And, and I, sometimes as parents, it's like, <laughs> not sure. Where's my, there we go. You guys can't, you can't tell what I'm thinking, right? There's, I think sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like this, like, man, watch my kids own their own faith as all those emotions come out, right? I wish you guys could actually see me smile. That'd be fun. I miss that part. So back in March, I think it was, Logan shared with me this book that he was going through with a, with a mentor, and one of the things that asked him to wrestle through is, what do you delight in? And I didn't know that this was about Sabbath. I just heard him talk about this idea of Logan trying to figure out, well, what is it that I delight in? Like so much of the time I got my nose to the grindstone. I mean, besides work and planting a church for the last two years, uh, we've been dealing with medical issue after medical issue after medical issue with our children. And so like, has it felt like we've had a downtime? No. No. In fact, we weren't even sure we were going to get to go out of town because medical issues just are still part of our conversation for the Croyle household. So as of Friday, I wasn't convinced that we were leaving town. I knew we were vacationing. Uh, I wasn't sure in what town I was going to get to go because I thought we might be going to Seattle. And that's, just, and that's just the reality of life is sometimes things don't let up. What do you delight in? And COVID, that didn't help at all, right? Like the things that, I didn't know we were going to get to leave town just for vacation purposes. Like, like, do you go to the state of Washington? I mean, the headlines, you know, 90 days ago wasn't really promising. <laughs> so, um, I... I wrestled with that. In fact, one of the questions we're asking this week in Care Group, I'll give you a head start. Uh, what are five things that you delight in? Can you come up with a list of five that you get to do that you delight in? I don't know if I could come up with five today. And so I'm trying to create that list. Jen, what do you think of when you hear, what do you delight in? Um, well, when I think of what we delight in, what I delight in, it first, when I delight, it's because I've stopped and I've rested and I can slow down enough to see the beauty in creation, whether that's in the people around me, in God's creation, or in the gifts and talents that he gave me, because that is creation as well. Um, and I've realized I'm a different person without Sabbath. Um, hmm. When I don't have Sabbath, I'm rushed, I'm on edge, 
I'm uh, annoyed with a person on Reserve Street that's going the speed limit rather than going five over like I want them to. <laughs> yeah, preach. <laughs> um, I get frustrated with the girls because they're walking like sloths rather than humans. Um, but when I have rested and I've delighted, I play better. The six days after Sabbath, I just have, I slow down enough to look you in the eyes to have a conversation. Because when I haven't Sabbath, it's like, okay, get to the point. I don't, I don't, give me the bullet points. Don't tell me the full story. I just, but when I Sabbath, it's like, oh, I see you. And so there's a beauty in that. And so some of the things that I enjoy doing and delighting in is coffee with friends. Um, Mm. I tend to, on Sabbath, ignore the clock and just do whatever I want. And there's not many times in our week that we get to do that. Um, And so I read or I get to be creative or go for a hike or journal. And um, yeah, those are really beautiful things. And so um, the book that Logan read, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, has like a non-leader version called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And there's a quote in there from Pete Scazzaro that says, Finally, Sabbath delight invites us to healthy play. The word, chosen, the word chosen by the Greek fathers for the perfect mutual indwelling of the Trinity was perichosis. It literally means dancing around. Creation and life, in a sense, are God's gift of a playground to us, whether it be through sports, dancing, games, looking at old family photos, or visiting museums. Nurturing our sense of pure fun in God is also part of Sabbath. And so with the word dancing around, what it made me think of is when I was a little kid, my dad would take us outside during the rainstorms and we would dance around and we would jump in puddles and we would just be silly and crazy and goofy. And I mean, I had the sprinkler running this weekend and he was like, let's go outside and run in the sprinklers. So like, there's just this delight in like, so that's what I think of when I think of like healthy play and it's silly and goofy, but it was so much fun as a little kid. And now, like, I have friends that if there's a rainstorm at their house, they're, like, texting me being like, the rain's coming. And I'm like, okay, cool. I was looking for it. (laughs) Were you his uh, Hobbs? What was that? Were you the Hobbs to Calvin? Uh, Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess... What comes to mind when you think of delight? Like, what is your playground, um, as Pete talks about? And then um, Brene Brown, who I love, in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, talks about, like, if we want to live wholehearted lives, we have to become intentional about cultivating sleep and play and letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol. I don't know why that word was so hard this morning. And productivity is self-worth. Um, this takes authenticity and vulnerability mm. and self-examination. And I would say, and this isn't in my notes, this happens in LTGs, life-transforming groups and care groups. Like That is the opportunity for us to be vulnerable with each other. Um, that means when we ask somebody how they're doing, we don't answer busy. We say, you know, this week was hard, and here's some reasons why. Here's how you could be praying for me. Um, it means being authentic. And I think it doesn't happen the first time. Like, a lot of the words I've heard over the series is practice, being intentional, 
cultivating. Like, I don't garden. I tried to this year. I planted strawberries. They died quickly. Um, but if I wanted to cultivate my strawberry plants, I needed to tend to them on a regular basis. And that's what we need to do with Sabbath, is we need to take time and cultivate it and not rush and think it's going to be perfect the first time. So That's good. Because <laughs> my Sabbath is not perfect, but it is... It is a growing experience, and, and I'm, and I, you know, this quote, you know, not letting go or letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol, that just, that speaks to me because that is who I thought I needed to be. Like, if I'm exhausted all the time, then you guys would know I'm working hard and you guys would be, you know, proud of me or, or something. But what that may tell you instead is that I don't have enough energy for your cares and your concerns. And if we're going to shepherd each other, if we're going to care for each other, we need to know that the person standing next to us is actually going to stand when we lean on them. <laughs> so something there. Uh, sometimes delight is a simple stopping to enjoy what you have created or what you have accomplished. Jennifer Blake shared a story with me this week. I think I have permission to share the story. We'll find out. <laughs> I'll hand her a mask. You could tell me which one, which one you got. <laughs> All right, I got a smile on that one, so we're good. But uh, a number of years ago, she was supposed to make this quilt for this newborn, and I think the child was six months old, but in her mind, it felt like six years, like she was behind the eight ball, right? So she is madly finishing this quilt up during uh, a dinner party, and she finishes the last dish, she folds it up, hands it to the couple, and they walk out the door. It was a creation. Something she created, and she didn't get to soak in. She says, I kind of mourned the fact that I didn't get to soak in what I created. It did what it, what it was supposed to do, but I didn't get the chance to enjoy it. And I resonate with that. You know, God chose to stop and take a look at creation. Day seven, or day six, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. He took time to take notice. And then, then the next conversation is about God resting. And so sometimes we just need a delight in what we have created. I'm a futurist. I'm thinking down the road. So I'm, I'm already thinking that I didn't create this well enough. And, and I got... <laughs> Like, how do I fix this for next time? I walk, if I work on a house, if I do any kind of framing or any kind of molding or any kind of, you know, work around the house as, as a carpenter, as it were, I don't see what I've completed and enjoy it. I see what I haven't done, what yet remains. And yet... We know that God is always at work. Jesus said that. But he took the time to stop and look. Well, I believe this invitation is broader than that. Then it's, it's more than just in looking at what we have created. 
I believe we're supposed to delight in the things that God has provided. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't know if you've read that out of Psalm 23, verse 1. I don't know if you've read that and just said, well, someday, someday I'll get there. Someday I will not want. Or if we just resolve this thing, I shall not want. That's been my response more than once. I find it interesting the way uh, the Jews have learned to approach Sabbath. When we looked at their approach during the Ezra and Nehemiah series, we didn't see a very redeeming conversation about Sabbath, did we? We saw people pulling hair and, and just telling people how they were getting it wrong. And that's, that's definitely not our, our goal in this series. Um, Rabbi Heschel says, receive Sabbath as you would the queen. Receive Sabbath like you would the queen. So for, for him, when he was on this earth, he would wear the best clothes. This is kind of my best clothes, by the way, if you were wondering. Uh, doesn't get much better than this. Uh, maybe a tad bit better, but not significantly better. The best dishes, the best drink. They would, if someone gave them a fine wine that was reserved for Sabbath, the best drink, the best food, the best conversations. In fact, uh, a number of years ago, I picked up this. Uh, it's called the Sabbath Tables, written by Messianic Jews. And so people that follow Christ as Messiah, they have put this together. And this is similar to when Orthodox uh, Jewish person would follow each Sabbath. And there's in here prayers and blessings and just... It's, a, it's an order of service, as it were. Kind of like we have an order of service for our Sunday services. We have an order of service for our worship nights. It just kind of guides the conversation. Sometimes we follow it, actually. Uh, sometimes we don't. You could probably tell. But, you know, they, they light a candle and they say a blessing. They bless their children. The husband blesses the wife. They celebrate when they pour the first glass of wine or, or whatever the, the drink is for that night. They celebrate God for bringing forth bread. And I just find their practice interesting. I find it fascinating. And, I, and, and so it's, it's intentionality. And whether you go to get something like this to help you be intentional or your family has some other practice that you want to employ for intentionality towards delight. I, I think you can't go wrong. Jen, what are some scriptures that give us some insight into what it means to add delight to Sabbath? Uh, the first one is Psalms 92, 1 through 5. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, O Most High to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, 
to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At your works, I have your hands. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are you, your works, O Lord. And I think as I read that, probably needed to read it one more time this week, but <laughs> um, there's a component of gratitude and praise in delight. Mm. And um, it actually makes me think a lot of like a young couple in love because they're always like delighting in each other and they're like, oh, you're so cute. No, you're so cute. And they're just like sharing their delight with each other. And, or, I mean, Song of Solomon's is a good example of that as well. Just this like mutual delight in one another. So um, yep. the next verse is Isaiah 58, 13, 14. If you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on a holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with your heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And with this one, I was like, this is saying you need to do what God tells you to do. And you need to delight in what he wants you to delight in. Um, and what it made me realize is it's not about what you should do on Sabbath. Like a lot of times we say, you, or we think, at least this is what I do. I should read my Bible. I should worship. I should journal, where I think what God wants us to do is he wants us to enjoy creation. He wants us to enjoy time with him. And so it's not about what you should do. It's about deepening your intimacy of relationship with God. So those are two verses that stood out to me. Yeah, it is about relationship. I think about the couple times recently where I, I called Scott one time and I called uh, Brandon Steele another time, like, hey, you want to hang out? And they're like, love to, but I have to go with my wife on this event. <laughs> you, you know, actually, they, they didn't do that. They, uh, they were like, I'm sorry, but my wife wants to, you know, go do this thing. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's important to me. I'm like, good choice. You know, her over me, like, you should be doing that a lot, <laughs> all the time. I, I think I think that's what God's calling us to through this is will you delight in me as your creator? My four kids relate with me in four distinct ways. If they wrote down what it means to relate with dad, you would have four books that so different from each other. And that's okay, because they're different. Our relationships with each other is unique. I think your relationship with God and my relationship with God can and should look different because we are different creations of the same creator. And he is, he is creative. I mean, he made the platypus of all things. Come on. <laughs> I, that thing just looks silly, but I'm, I think that thing puts a smile on God's face every time he walks by him. He's like, look at that guy. And he made Stevie, our dog. That, he is a character. If you haven't met Stevie, you need to. He, um, he'll bring delight to you, just him welcoming you to our house. 
Uh, you are the most important thing to walk through that door until it's dinner time. <laughs> but I'm just, the creativity of our God is immense. And let's enjoy who he created us to be, me to be. You know, and, and we said, you know, this, this particular passage, Isaiah 58, is, is speaking to, to, a, to a Jewish nation. We need, to, we need to know that. They are the original audience for that particular conversation. And so we look at it and try to glean from it what it means. But I just want to remind you that Sabbath doesn't have to look the same for us as it does for the Jewish nation. In fact, Apostle Paul in Colossians 2 says, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. And so if you're Jewish, your Sabbath is really well defined. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. For us, there's freedom. Now, I find that freedom actually kind of scary, <laughs> as it were. It's kind of like uh, when I turned 18, my parents were like, well, you don't have to tell us when you're going to be home. Oh, <laughs> freedom. It felt weighty too. That freedom felt weighty. But when we set aside time, when we sanctify it, it becomes holy. We're like, Lord, this is my day. This is our day as a family with you. For many Christians, they do that on Saturday. Many others do it on Sunday. Um, some can't do it those days. I know Jen does it on Fridays. So that time that you sanctify becomes holy. And, and setting it apart, that's what holiness means. God is the ultimate holy being, right? But we experience his holiness when we enter into that time with him. So the implication is this. Establish a rhythm of delight. We need to establish a rhythm of, of delight. We said last week we need this, this rhythm of rest intermingled with our work. The work that we do is important, is valuable. The world depends on it. We are, we are called to do that. Go forth and multiply and conquer. Like Those are things that those are God-given tasks, but rest is also a God-given task, and delight is a God-given task. Marty, again, is going to speak into this. Let's take a look at what Marty has to say about his, his delight. Sabbath Diaries, part three. So we talked about these four words. We're talking about these four words, this idea of stopping and Resting, delighting, contemplating. So, first week, talked about stopping. We said that this idea of stopping has this ability, it has this inherent power to tell us a, a narrative or to tell us a story. And then that next week, we talked about resting and how resting is where you, for me, is where I kind of, that's the space in which I meet God. That's where God tends to meet me, is in that space of resting. I think about delight, and I feel like Sabbath 
has this inherent in and out rhythm to it, this breathing of, I stop and it speaks to me. And then I lean in and I find God. And then I step back out. And when I find God in that resting space, I feel like uh, what that does is I, I find my delight. Now notice where I find that delight. I find that delight in, it comes from God and who he is and the story and the narrative that he's telling in the world. This is not a self-indulgent delight. This is not a, I want to do what I want so that I can have fun. This is a this is a delight that comes from a different kind of place. It's a delight that comes from understanding, again, who God is and what God is doing in the world. And th- But it's a delight, make no mistake about it. And there's an interesting teaching in the Talmud. It's not necessarily connected with Sabbath. I'm pretty sure a Jewish perspective, a truly Orthodox Jewish perspective, would probably not... Um, expound on the details of delighting in Sabbath in the same way that I'm going to. But there is a a Talmudic teaching in the Talmud that says that on Judgment Day, man is going to have to give an account, listen to this, for every indulgence that he was allowed that he didn't take. That man will have to give an account for every indulgence that he was permitted but did not take because God has a desire for delight. Now, the reason I'm connecting this to Sabbath is partially because of something that Jesus said. This idea that man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, the way that I interpret that, which in some ways probably doesn't ring as true with an Orthodox Jewish mind today, but I understand what Jesus is saying is Sabbath is not the end. Mankind, creation itself, the story that God is telling, that's the end. And Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift. There is a delight that you and I are invited into in that Sabbath space. So what does this mean for me practically? It means that I'm constantly, and one of the things I've learned about Sabbath, one of the, way, one of the things that I practice in my Sabbath space during Shabbat is that my Sabbath practice is constantly evolving and it is changing, I'm gonna call it seasonally. I feel like I go through seasonal, let's call it quarterly. About three months at a time, I go through different Sabbath practices on what feels like almost a rotation. So what I mean by that is I might spend three months really focused on rest. I mean, sleeping in till noon, lying around and just resting in the presence of God. Really having, maybe you might call it a lazy Sabbath, even though I hate that word because it gives a certain connotation to the way that we're using our time. But then at some point that starts to, and, and, and in that moment, in that season, that laziness, that rest, that just like, that, just the stopping. It has an ability to speak, and it does, it speaks. But then like, I don't know, three months in, it stops speaking to me in the same way. 
And so I, I change. I decide that for the next three months, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time with my family. And Sabbath becomes a family space, which means I'm not sleeping until noon. I'm getting up at nine. And I'm, we're going to go out and we're going to have fun. And we're going to, and I love doing this in like the summer, the spring, the fall, when, when you can get out and go have fun, do some fun things together as a family. And again, from an Orthodox perspective, I'm breaking all kinds of Talmudic laws and those kind of things. But I'm trying to find a space where I can delight. And again, this is not a self-indulgence. This is a reflection on who God is. And, and so I do that. But then, like, I don't know, three months into it, I feel like now I'm spending time with my family out of obligation. And that's not a good space. And so I change it. And then I, I might go into a time where it's, um, I might just, ha I might create some me space. I just created family space for a few months. I might spend a few months just creating, like, me space. I don't know what I'll do. Play video games. Play music. Maybe go do some, go shoot my bow. I don't know, just go do things that I enjoy doing. Might be during hunting season. But then like three months into it, like it was, it was doing something. Like that delight was telling me the story. It was telling me, Sabbath is about truth telling. It was telling me the truth of who God is and the story that God's telling in the world. But then like three months in, it starts to feel like, it is kind of self-indulgent. And so then I change it. So what I'm constantly doing is I'm changing. I'm doing something for a season. And, and the thing that I'm talking about is delight. I'm finding a way to delight in my Sabbath space. And it's changing. It's evolving as it needs to throughout the seasons. So that my delight is not about self-indulgence. I'm finding my delight in the presence of God. And that delight, listen, is telling me the truth about Sabbath. That delight is telling me the truth that Sabbath, Sabbath is about truth-telling. And if our delight is coming from the right place, then our delight, our joy that we find in Sabbath reinforces that truthful narrative. If it's not coming from the right place, it's about self-indulgence, it's about selfishness, it's just about like a selfish joy that doesn't come from something more grounded, more true, and more real. Hey, I thought this would be my shortest video yet, and here I am, eight minutes in. It's probably a good time to just say, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> All right, so, oh, I can stand. Um, uh, we're going to move into your next steps. And so what the first one is, is take a routine activity and make it special for Sabbath. Um, for me, because I do Sabbath on Friday typically, um, when it's not like 100 degrees, I love baking on Thursday nights. There's something about like just taking the time and making something delicious that we'll be able to eat on Friday that is just kind of just wipes away all the stress and it's just a beautiful way to slow down and enjoy the process and start my Sabbath. It's probably all the kneading that you do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's Work out the stress. 
Stress ball. Giant stress. Very good finger dexterity. (laughs) Um, The other thing that um, is a routine Sabbath that I make special is I have coffee with Jen Blake every Friday. And that actually, I mean, that has been happening pre me realizing I wanted to do and needed to do and delighting in Sabbath. Um, And it's an opportunity for me to be seen. Um, I think for a lot of married people, you have your spouse and you do Sabbath together and you have that. Um, For me, I needed to find somebody who could be that person to see me that could hold me accountable for things that would just be that person that I could walk life Mm. with. And Jen didn't know she was signing up for that, but she did. So, (laughs) And then um, I really enjoy... Uh, just being creative and artsy, um, and maybe it's painting or quilting or like just random routine things that I don't have time throughout the rest of the week to do that I get to do then. Like my job is a lot of left left brain. <laughs> and so on Sabbath, I get to do some right brain things. And so um, those are some routine things that I get to do on my Sabbath. Hmm. How about you, Rob? Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I like to eat. (laughs) I eat no less than three times a day, seven days a week. (laughs) No less than. And so that's pretty routine. But what I've started to do is, is to make our Friday night dinner special. And, um, my wife, she married me because I make gravy I don't know if she knows that other people know how to make gravy too, but she grew up with gravy in a can, and compared to that, I am phenomenal. And so I I think it was a hamburger and flour and some milk and some Worcestershire sauce, and she was sold. Yep, this is the man for me. So I tried to make our Friday night dinner special. And for me to make it special for Christy and for Jacob, and I'm finding like I'm getting more creative with this as I go along. And, and then the rest of our kids, or most of the rest of our kids come over Saturday night, and we have uh, a Creole version of family dinner with, with uh, Josh and his wife and, and, and their roommates and, uh, and the rest of the town that happens to collect at their house on Saturday <laughs> And so, like yesterday, I'm going, I haven't really found a way to make this time special. So now I'm going to look for a way to make that special. But, yeah, it's just finding something routine, playing video games. Josh, is that routine? Yeah. Can you make that special? I bet you can. (laughs) Uh, Going for a hike, going camping, uh, going hunting. Guys? Anybody in the room? Is that special? Can you make that special? Is that routine that you can make special? Connect with God? I mean, Sabbath doesn't have to be us walking around in robes and moaning all the time. We're not converting monks. Uh, we're connecting with God. We're, 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 we're making the day where God is at the forefront of our minds. I think, I think that might be the best way to picture this. And so that's first step. Take a routine activity and make it special. Special for Sabbath. Secondly, find one way to delight in God, yourself, 
and those who are important to you this Sabbath. Find one way to delight in God, in yourself. That might be the hardest for some of us. Uh, and those important to you this Sabbath. Now, Rabbi Heschel, he wrote the, a book called The Sabbath. He's, he's since passed. But uh, he used to tell his kids this. Ye should kindle no fire. That's straight out of Deuteronomy. And then he added this, not even the fire of righteous indignation. You shall kindle no fire, not even the fire of righteous indignation. And his daughter, who wrote the foreword in the book, said this, in our home, certain topics were avoided on Sabbath. Politics, the Holocaust, the war in Vietnam, while others were emphasized. And this quote just, it, it stuck with me. It, it's been sticking with me because they start by going, we're not going to have these, like, like I have indignation all the time. Some of it's righteous. <laughs> so so you, have, you have indignation, you have righteous indignation, and they don't even talk about those things. So whatever expectations I, I've had about my son or my daughter or my wife or, or Logan as my coworker and partner or my, my neighbor or the person driving down reserve five miles under the speed limit, not that I'm noticing or not, um, whatever expectations people aren't living up to on Sabbath, I practice not thinking about those things. Even if it's righteous indignation, I put my expectations away. You are no longer, for one day a week, you are not a slave to whatever my expectations are. But delight goes further than that. Delight looks for that opportunity to say, Man, I love how intense you are when we're, we're at the gym and you're, you're trying to get that last rep out. I love that intensity, that spark, that fire that I see inside of you. Delight says, I really value our partnership in ministry, both as leaders within the community, but then as a friend that I could come to and, and bounce ideas off of you. Like, I just value the way we could have those kinds of conversations. And, you know, Jen made, it, made the statement that at married couple, you know, they had that person. Sometimes it feels like the last 50,000 conversations have been about negative things. Again, amen about that. And so we have to find a way to delight. And if we, I wish I would my kids will have grown up with this, with this focus for me on Sabbath. But I want to find a way that Sabbath is about me delighting in who they are, not what they have or haven't done all week long, not for the expectations they have or haven't met, because 
we all have those. We all have expectations that we're trying to live up to. But just being. And even God. Sometimes God, sometimes I feel like Job in my righteous indignation about what God has or hasn't done. Not so sure that's righteous. But in the moment, on Sabbath, it's not about what have you done for me lately. Thank you, Jan Jackson, the great theologian. Um, it's about your creativity, your beauty, your majesty. I can't imagine how big you are, God. Like, that's where my thoughts go. Find a way to delight in God, yourself, and those important to you this Sabbath. And in doing that, you'll establish a rhythm of delight. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.